Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. Despite crippling technical difficulties, we are here recording today's episode with a good friend of mine and someone I'm really excited to have on the show. He's the founder of an incredible agency called Conduit Digital. They've been around for a little over a decade, made an incredible transition from working in, you know, for broadcast media to now being uh, an agency that serves other agencies with deep proficiency in media buying. They're an award-winning firm, and Tim is just an incredible entrepreneur. So with all that, Tim Burke, thank you for being with us today. I am so grateful to be here, Marcel. I've listened to this podcast since you started, I think, so I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's cool to have you here. And despite all of the, uh, you know, I just reset my laptop. You've just watched me struggle to troubleshoot why my camera's not connecting to my computer for what, probably a half an hour now. But despite all of that, we're here, we're making it happen. And I'm sorry that this has been your experience so far as a guest on the show. But this is when we get to reclaim, uh, reclaim our, our greatness here. Um, I've given everyone a little bit of context on what you do and who you serve. But in your own words, uh, what do you do at Conduit Digital? What we do is really we're the agency for agencies. We act as a single point of contact and we are the ad operations team for successful established agencies in North America. Uh, we don't work with startups. We tend to work with agencies who do omni-channel work and we'll get into it, but our team fits that model extremely well and we really act as their ad operations team. Amazing. And so um, I want to start with a little bit of a backstory because you it's, it's almost like this agency has lived two completely separate lives in a way. Uh, how did Conduit Digital start and what was the point when you realized you wanted to transition into serving other agencies? It's it was an interesting story. I was always in the television consultation business. And so I was in advertising and in in markets that I was in in 2011 people started talking about the internet and the TV group that I was with didn't really have uh, a solution for that. So long story short, we built the in-house agency for gray television, which became the second largest broadcast company in the country. So we were their exclusive in-house agency and all of their, what became 110 plus TV stations were sending their work through us. And we were working on a, just a multitude of different clientele for them. And so that was back 2011, 2012, you started the firm and scaled, you know, pretty aggressively, pretty quickly, got pretty big. Um, what was that? What was that like scaling up? And when did you decide it was time to transition into a different vertical? We decided to transition into a different vertical. We were in exclusively the television business, um, working with television advertising sellers and the they were selling digital almost transactionally, right? And as we worked with more and more agencies, we realized the strategic level that they brought to the table. And we just knew that was our tribe. We wanted to work with agencies 
And ultimately, just as the pandemic was starting, we made the full on shift away from television uh, and into uh, working with ad agencies. And it's, it's, it's been awesome. So we started as traffic builders working with television groups and we've migrated to conduit working exclusively uh, with agencies, no direct clients, no media properties. Mm. So before we get into the topic du jour, which I think is really talking about this, I think a growing trend of agencies partnering with other agencies to offer a full suite of services to their clients. I want to talk a little bit about your experience transitioning to being an agency that serves agencies. As we were kind of discussing before the show, it's a unique, it's not a unique position, but it's not one that most agencies uh, are in where your client is an agency. You're, you're kind of two steps removed from the client. What have been some of your biggest lessons learned since transitioning to that position and having to essentially work through other agencies to deliver outcomes to their end client? It's an awesome question. Um, when we were working with the TV group, we, we thought of ourselves as a really good factory. And we were working on lower level, lower tier type of, uh, of, of work. And you build a good infrastructure, a good scalable infrastructure through volume, right? And then when, as we started working with agencies, we realized that the level of that, that we were at had to be raised considerably. So the lesson was, if we're going to be the agency for agencies, we have to be leaders, not followers. We have to be out in front of where the industry is going and to be able to guide them to where things you know, should be. So we've got individual teams of specialists where we used to have generalists. And so we have an SEO team, a programmatic team, a, a paid search and a paid social team. And these are teams of experts that do what they do. And before we would have more generalists working on campaigns today, highly specialized. Mm. And so it sounds like the, the lesson there is when an agency partners with you, they're essentially relying on you to innovate in that area of their business on their behalf. And so you're really kind of picking up that torch and and seeing yourself more as a, a leader in, in strategy and in where that kind of part of the industry is going. Is that right? Yeah, very much so. So our teams work directly with the platforms to understand what's happening in the space. And we've got, there's really two aspects to working with agencies. There's performance, which is so, so important. And then there's communication, which often gets overlooked. So good, solid, proactive communication like we have a single point of contact just from the communication side for every agency. And that person understands the agency, their cadence, their client orientation. Uh, they really understand what the agency needs from us proactively, to, you know, to, to, to help them scale, which is really at the end of the day, what it's all about. Now um, I'm going to probably say some things that you wouldn't say. And you don't have to respond to these things by confirming or denying them. But my experience has been that a lot of agencies don't have their shit together operationally. They're not really proactive with their own clients. They don't do a great job of managing scopes. They're typically not looking around corners very well. They often have deficiencies in account management and project management. These are my words, not yours. But I would imagine that you know what it feels like to be downstream from those deficiencies in other agencies. What skill set do you feel like is really important to develop to be able to sit in that position and inherit some of the challenges that come with the client upstream that you're supporting having some of these challenges? I think the thing that 
we work with a myriad of different agencies. And ultimately, when we occasionally have a problem with an agency, it's because the agency doesn't control the client relationship. So it's a, it starts out with fires and it turns into a fire drill. And that's not a way in our, in our opinion to conduct business. So what we look for in the ideal agency is one that can manage the strategic direction upfront, understand how to cobble together uh, you know, an ad ops team, a creative team, uh, maybe a, a CRM team if, if, if needed, but to develop the right partnerships, both internally and externally, that really make the machine work and the machine ultimately becomes um, operations are tough for a lot of agencies. The, you, you know, a lot of agencies start out with creative leadership or sales leadership. And those are two areas that process doesn't creep into often. Uh, and we're building the agency out with process, in our opinion, is the only way to scale. Hmm. And so um, last question on this, because I know in talking to a lot of agencies, some of them are starting to, you know, flirt with this uh, idea of becoming a white label agency. They're what I would call white label curious. And uh, I have a point of view on what kind of proficiency they need to have in order to be in that position. What would you say to a firm that's thinking about shifting into this kind of uh, positioning and serving other agencies? What are the things that are really important for them to be good at in order to be successful in this kind of a uh, model? I, I think the first thing is you can't do both, in, in our opinion. You're either a wholesaler or you're a retailer. And I think you have to know where you want to go. And if you begin with the end in mind and you say, I'm going to be a retailer, then you don't get into the wholesale business. Um, when you're going to be a white label company, you have to be evolved enough to be able to bring true value to the agency. And that's with things that, you know, they may not have uh, knowledge. They might not have time to put themselves in front of. It may be tools, technology, infrastructure, process. It might be experience. So I, I think you have to bring a lot to the table to provide real value. And if you can do that and be a wholesaler and a retailer at the same time, then I say good for you. But in our experience, we started off as a wholesaler. It's, it's a different mindset. It's a different way of operating. It's lower margin. Uh, you and I, I feel blessed that we've been able to work together. And you know the margins in the wholesale space are just lower than they are in the retail space with a whole lot more ex, uh, expenses. So it really is something that I would say, don't sit on the fence of being one or the other, decide where you want to be. If you're going to be a wholesaler, be your best wholesaler. Uh, if not, boy, stay in the retail space because the opportunities are endless right now. Yeah. And so this tees up uh, the kind of rest of this conversation perfectly, which is you know, my perspective on where this industry is going is that we're starting to see the parting of the seas. And exactly what you said, agencies are starting to have to acknowledge, these are the things that we're good at as operators that we're going to double down on. And these are the things that frankly, we're not that good at. And this question of wholesaler versus retailer, I think is a really good example of that. As the wholesaler, as you called it, you've got to be really good at operations because you're basically being trusted by that agency to do those operations at a world-class level on their behalf. And as we both know, because to your point, I got a chance to look deep inside the guts of your business and look at your books and your financials. It's very unforgiving. The margin of error for someone in your position is so small. And we saw it, the, the small percentage points differences in things like utilization rates and things like average bubble rates 
can be the difference between uh, you guys being successful and not meeting your objectives. And so you've really got to be super, super competent operators to be in that wholesale position. But you make up for it with ideally higher volume because you're drafting off the success of all these partners that you have in these other agencies. Whereas as a retailer, you might not be as competent at operations, but maybe you're, you're really, really good at sales, at marketing, at account management, at strategy, and those are your strengths. And so I think it's becoming more important for agencies to really acknowledge those things and start to be more deliberate about what they do in-house and what they start partnering with other agencies on. And I think that that's where the industry is headed. Has that been your observation as well, especially kind of starting to be in a, in a position where you're selling a lot of this uh, idea to agencies around you? Very much so, but it, it really depends. Um, the thing I, it, I'm blessed. I love talking to agency owners and I get a chance to do that 900 plus times a year. And the thing I say to almost all of them is this isn't speed dating. So the, the team that you have on the back end has to really mirror the direction, the mindset, the ethos of your agency. And there's an, there's a white label for everyone. I'm pretty sure, but you have to find the right one. Because it, it, it truly has to be a partnership. And partnership is something everybody talks about, but it's really hard to deliver true partnership. You have to find that agency that's most aligned to do that, I think. Yeah. And I would imagine that there's a spectrum. And maybe just for context, you can kind of shed some light on how an arrangement is, is organized between you and one of your partner agencies. But you know, I've seen everything from the client controls the entire client relationship and there's never any interaction directly with the white label partner to the white label partner showing up on calls being client facing with you know the client's brand on them representing as one of their team members and so the there's a lot of gray area in terms of where that handshake occurs um, what does it look like in in your sphere and what have you learned about perhaps where that optimal handshake has been in your context it's, it's a little, it sounds a little bit like an oxymoron. We offer 19 different digital products and services. Um, so it, we say to our agencies, we give you the ability to say yes. If your client wants OTT, we've got you. If your client wants SEO or a myriad of, of other products, we got you. But where you get in trouble, I think, is, is getting out in front of your skis and trying to do things that you're not innately good at, that your system isn't built to handle. And we, so in our case, for instance, we don't talk to end user clients. We think the relationship is so important. The agency got the client based on communication and their, their own individual personality. And so we don't inject ourselves into that until you get to a certain level. So we've, we're very fortunate. We've got a couple of clients who are over a half a million dollars a month. At that level, there are so many moving parts in what we do that our team sits at the table at those monthly or you know every uh, other week conversations to be able to help the agency articulate what's going on in the back end. Yeah, so it sounds like for you the yeah the handshake is occurring where they manage the client relationship and then there's a direct line of communication to you for you know what needs to happen, the services that need to get rendered to them, and you found that that works well for you. It does. And then to go back to what you and I were talking, it, the communication has to be proactive. So if we know that an agency has, you know, uh, an every third Thursday meeting with a client, then we're going to get them that information on Wednesday morning to review Wednesday afternoon, ask questions and make sure they're as prepared as they can be for that Thursday meeting. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And, and so what are some of the other things that you've found 
have been really critical and make the difference between a, a successful engagement between you and a partner agency and one that you know doesn't end up working out? I think it, it, I've been in sales for longer than a lot of people listening to this have been a lot alive. And I can tell you, I think it comes down to that one word and it's one word alters the arc of sales relationships and that's expectations. If you set the proper expectations up front, then that gives you that bar that your team can jump over. And what we see a lot is agencies will call us up and we said, we don't work with startups, but there's these quote, performance agencies they're starting that literally promise the client anything to get the business. And that's a failed relationship to start. We don't want to be anywhere near those relationships. So the agencies that can set proper expectations and then guide the, the client toward growing, exceeding, expanding, uh, those are the agencies you love to work with because they understand how to manage their client and their client's growth. So I would say setting the proper expectations, everybody knowing what those are, and then constantly communicating where we are, where we're at against those expectations. And, and very briefly, how that manifests itself here, people don't like talking to digital agencies for the most part. We, we've got an acronym for everything and we can be confusing to talk to. So what we decided um, uh, really about three or four years ago was we were going to focus on results backwards. So we call them KPAs, key performance activities. And if the client it says to the agency, we're going to measure you by phone calls, by form fills, by appointment sets, however, whatever that criteria is, that is our number one criteria. And we work backwards from that, even to the point where that's the way it shows up on our dashboard appointment sets homepage, you know, whatever that criteria is, we get literal to defining that and then literal to executing to make sure that that happens. So if you keep the agency moving along the lines of performance based on client expectation, I think you're, you're off to a decent formula. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to tap into your experience. Um, you, you aged yourself a little bit here when you said you, you've been in sales longer than most people have been alive. It's probably an accurate statement. It's worth noting that you're aging like a nice whiskey, for example, it seems. <laughs> you're just getting you better it. with time. But one of the things I know is that you run, a, by many people's standards, a hyper-successful agency. You've achieved quite a large scale, and you've been in the game for a long time. I'd love to tap into some of the biggest lessons that you learned operationally scaling a team as large as yours, especially in the context where you had to be hyper-focused on efficiency. What were some of the challenges that you ran into and some of the things you've learned about structuring teams, about hiring leadership, and about really getting the kind of systems in place that have allowed you to do what you do successfully? Yeah. 
it sounds corny, but I mean, it, it starts and everything does with people. And I, I'm extraordinarily blessed because for the last, my management team has all been here at least five years. And so we've been able to all grow up together in the, in, in this space. Uh, and then what they do is they've built a system. And I say they, because they're hands on at ground level. And the team has built a system that is so functionally literate that we don't waste a lot of time, you know, doing things that we're not, that aren't really that KPA backwards basis that, that, that we just talked about. So we've built an infrastructure with, you know, intricate dashboards, time tracking that you talk about all the time is so vital, not to be big brother, but to understand how long things take so that you can scale and price, you know, accurately. And I'm gonna jump in for just a second and let everybody know that in this space, I think there's a lot of people, what I would call big hat, no cattle. There's people that just talk a better game than, than they enact. Um, you and your company aren't those people. I'll tell you, I've been listening to this podcast for a long time, as I mentioned to you, and we got a chance to work together um, over the summer. And I was knocked out because we track a lot here. We've got intricate financial dashboards that measure time and just really that, that, that give you all the data granularly that you want. And you were able to come in with your team and really just shed such light on areas of opportunity for us. And I was so appreciative of that. And I wanted to make sure that I had a chance to say that today. <laughs> Well, I appreciate uh, you doing that, Tim. I know that's not the <laughs> that's not the reason I had you on the show, but this is a nice bonus. And I was going to comment that yes, um, that was one of the things that I was impressed with when we came in and started working with you. Is you have a very competent management team, and they were doing all the right things. They had a really you have a very advanced data operation, much more advanced than almost any of the other clients that we've seen. But as you saw when we started working together, the devil's in the details, right? And um, I think that that's really the message for those that are thinking about trying to enter into this kind of white label position is it's so unforgiving and you've got to dial those details in. And my sense, I'm, I'm going to project this onto you, tell me if it's wrong, is that your leadership style has been one that has done a great job of making the vision and the standards clear to your management team. And then you've surrounded yourself with people that clearly know how to execute. And I've seen their work firsthand and, and that's been really amazing. What is your, what has been your secret to keeping them around for as long as they've been there and developing the level of buy-in that has, you know, gotten them motivated to do the extraordinary, the extraordinary work that I saw when I went in and started looking at how you were operating. I, I think that hiring is so underrated and everybody thinks that it's a gut feel type of thing. Um, what we do is we profile a job before we hire for it. And then we have a company that is uh, really allows us to evaluate the candidate against the job and its description. So that the first thing you do is you hire people with the DNA to do the job. You're not trying to turn an apple into an orange. You've got somebody who absolutely has the DNA to do the job. That doesn't mean it's going to work or it's going to flourish because then attitude uh, has such a big part of it. Do they want to scale with you? Do they want to grow themselves? And it's just like clients. You think everybody wants to grow, but that's not always the case. So you start by hiring at the right people. And then I think having the end result in mind, what I would call just begin with the end in mind and we GPS our way backwards, right? So everybody here knows what the goal is. Our job is to super serve agencies to be a partner, not a vendor. When people call us a vendor, it pisses me off. 
anybody can be a vendor. Being a partner, and I know a little bit about that, but I just celebrated my 39th wedding anniversary. Um, and there's a lot that goes into that. So partnership is what we really, really aspire to. And when an agency comes on with us, we try really hard to never give them a reason to leave. And we're fortunate that they don't very often do that. You, I want to come back to something that you mentioned. So you profile a job before you hire for it. What does that actually look like in practice? Are you basically developing the personality profile of who would be ideal in that role and then matching candidates to that? Yes. Um, so every job has a little bit of a different construct. Some are more data focused uh, requirements. So, so for instance, I mentioned performance in, in communication. Our account management team are what we call agency account managers. They have to be more personality oriented. They have to be more communicative. Um, and communication is, is an art and, you know, it's actionable next steps and it's all those things you need to have clear communication. And then on the data side, um, the analysis that goes into some of the, the work that we, most of the work that we do is just so amazing to me. And it, it, it's not my wheelhouse at all. And I'm just so in, in awe of, you know, this group of people that can do this type of work. And, you know, I say all, all the time and everybody here knows it to be absolutely the truth. Never, ever, ever do I walk into a meeting here being the smartest guy in the room. And it's, it's a nice feeling to have that we've got a group of people that really want to make it work for the agency. And once we do that, we retain the agency and we add another agency and it keeps growing. You know, we're not running in place by churning agencies, which to me has never been interesting. Yeah. So uh, to close things out, I want to get your take on where you think our industry is headed. Where are we going as agencies? Where are we going as it relates to paid media? Uh, what's your take on the direction that this industry is headed in and how we need to prepare for that? I think our agencies are in an interesting place. Um, part of what we do has been commoditized and we've let that happen. And I say shame on the people that continue that because if you hire somebody, paid search, paid social, these are commoditized you know, practices right now. And to hire somebody who's very good at that is expensive. The training that goes in, the education to keep up with it. Um, and yet we've allowed our industry to commoditize this. I think ages, agencies going forward should not just bill for what it is they're executing in paid search, paid social SEO and all of the tactical work. I think they should get paid as strategists. I think they should all have a retainer and then get paid on the you know, whether it's management fee on paid media or, you know, however they bill with SEO and, and, and programmatic. But ultimately, you should get paid for being that fractional CMO for your client because there's so much in your experience, your expertise and your execution that the client should be paying for. So I see agencies that don't have a monthly retainer with their clients and I wonder why. So I, I think we've really got to eliminate the commoditization. I think we've got to value the work that we do. If we don't, no one else will. So it really comes down to placing the value on the high level work that we do. Uh, it feels like people, uh, companies like Google are trying to make it self-serve. It's, it's just not happening. It, it just isn't. You need trained experts to do this. And it, there's a cost in, involved in training and, and, and keeping those experts. And I think our industry has to embrace that. Yeah, 
it's so interesting um, that you bring that up because I completely agree. I think that um, just like there's a parting of the seas as it relates to, you know, operational proficiency, I think the same thing is happening to your point with, are, are you like an execution volume based shop and your game is efficiency and you're kind of in a race to the bottom right now, or are you a strategic shop? And I think being on the fence about which one of those things you're leaning into is going to become more and more dangerous and more and more costly. But the thing that I am hopeful of is that no matter how easy it gets to do the execution, in fact, the more easy it gets to do the execution, the more people will realize that the strategy is actually the most important part. Because I think we've all had this experience where, you know, as business owners or as homeowners or in some other area of our life, we try to take the cheap route and do it ourselves and very quickly learn why there are professionals that have spent their entire careers learning this craft. And I'm reminded of it every time I see a bad ad, every time I see a bad, you know, email where it's like, yeah, you're doing the execution. You successfully ran this ad, you successfully wrote this email, but it didn't resonate with me. It's actually damaging my perception of your competency and your understanding as a brand. And, you know, ultimately without the strategy, it's all just going to be for nothing. And I think the more the barriers to entry get eroded, the more a good strategy and a thoughtful execution and a really compelling message is going to cut through the noise because the noise is just going to continue to grow in volume. And I think we're already seeing that happening with a lot of the AI generated content and so on. Like there's nothing more refreshing these days than a legitimate point of view articulated through media. So I'm hopeful that um, that pendulum is going to swing around, but ultimately people will always arrive back at the the core idea, which is the strategy is really what matters. It, without a doubt, it does. And, you know, I mean, you look at agencies and you, th- you think plumbers are making, you know, $140 an hour. And we've got agencies that want to work for 65. And if you value your own work, you're going to find a way to bring value no matter what you're charging the client. So I think it, it's always about delivering value, but it's also about valuing yourself and your agency. So uh, to me, agencies really need to take a look at the way that they price their pricing models with their clients and make sure that everybody's receiving value from the relationship. Yeah, well said. That's uh, that reminds me of my favorite quote from when we were working together. <laughs> I, I we we don't have to include this in the podcast, but I vividly remember you saying something to the effect of, "Jesus Christ, my plumber makes two hundred dollars an hour. We should too." Uh, and th- that's the way I feel. I, I, is that and there's nothing against the plumber because God knows I I can't do that work. But if you're really good at what you do, you should have no problem pricing it and delivering the value for it. And that's to me what it comes down to. So uh, the race to the bottom is not a race that I want to participate in. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. And so with that, Tim, for those that are listening, any final words of advice uh, as they go and build their agencies into this new future? No, I I think that 2024 is uh, an election year in the U.S. and looks, you know, those are always uh, bumpy. Uh, from an economic standpoint. But I think going into the year, value what it is that you do and bring that value to your clients. And regardless of the economy, there's going to be opportunities out there for you. Don't get misled by the people that try and tell you that the economy is bad and the business is not out there because that business is there for somebody. Why not you? Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, Every problem is an opportunity and money is made solving problems. And so I think to your point, uh, if people can find a way to, and, and you know, perhaps 
partnering with somebody like yourself is the way to do that. Find the clients that are winning in this environment and try to find a way to support them even more, get deep in your relationship and really take a more holistic approach. Uh, that might be the way that you find that success. Um, so with all of that, Tim, I want to thank you for making the time to be here. I really enjoy our chats. Uh, and for those that want to get more of you and Conduit Digital in their life, where should we send them in the show notes? You can send them to the to our website. Uh, we have a ton of content on our website uh, at conduitdigital.us. And uh, it, it, if you've got any questions about any of the content that we've got, please reach out. We'd love to answer your questions. And, and I wish you the very, very uh, happy new year, my friend, if I don't see you before then. All right. Appreciate it, Tim. And for all those of you listening, scroll down in the show notes. We'll have links to Tim's LinkedIn, Conduit's website, and some of our favorite free resources that they put out. And uh, thank you for tuning in and listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll see you on the next one. Tim, thanks again for being here, man. Thanks, Marcel. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeta.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.